right, all right, promisers, grab a seat, welcome. It is great to see you. All of our campuses, welcome. You picked an amazing weekend to be at church. We're thrilled that you're here and so excited that you survived the blizzard of 2016. I mean, you made it, you're here. Unbelievable, we are thrilled. Uh, The bad news is, is because of the weather and the projected weather that we should be under 14 feet of snow, we're not. But because that, we made a decision to move uh, John Maxwell. Uh, We're working on another date, uh, so he'll be here as soon as possible uh, at the earliest weekend that he is free. That's the bad news. The good news is God gave me a message for you, so we are not going to be without... Not going to be without, as a matter of fact, I have built a new, because, you know, I talk about my quiet time all the time on the deck, and I love the deck, and it's got a fireplace, but, it, but at 20 degrees, it's not spiritual anymore. It's, <laughs> it's just endurance, and so we had this bonus room that we've never used, and it been collecting some of Michelle's uh, stuff uh, for about 12 years, and so my son Micah said, hey, Dad, let's just clear that out. Let's make you a room, so... We did. I finished it. Finished it. It's called the Upper Room, and it's my winter retreat. And so I was up there. Uh, I was up there Thursday, and God gave me something. I'm gonna give it to you in a minute. But Friday I was up there, and Michelle came up and she said, "Listen," she said, "the weather report is so bad. I need you to get a sermon together, and we're gonna shoot that in a couple hours at church." I said, "Get out. What, what, what do you mean?" What? And so. And so I said, but what, I mean, you just, you just want a sermon. Is that, is that so for thousands of people in, in an hour? Get out. And I don't know. And so uh, I had had this unbelievable quiet time the day before, and God had just opened the door to some stuff. So I put my journal out, and I started taking notes. And, man, God gave me this unbelievable message, which I was hoping I was not going to preach, but I was going to preach it later. But, but due to the weather, you're going to get it this weekend. So uh, buckle your seat about get ready and, and because God's going to challenge us in a new way. And I will tell you this, I'm grateful for the Holy Ghost momentum that has flooded the sails. Man, we got the momentum. And I want you to realize that, that today the 21-day fast is over, but do not miss the correlation between the explosive growth in January and the 21-day fast between everybody on the same page and the Bible reading record and, and everybody reading and, and believing together in the book without all that kind of stuff. So realize there's a, core, a spiritual correlation going on. Grateful for the feedback on the, on the book without actually, because I wrote that last summer and I was under the gun. I thought I could write it in a couple of weeks and it took me a couple of months and everything. So I'm actually right now beginning preparing for you the book for 2017. So right now I'm working on it, and, uh, and frankly, can I just be honest with you? Every time I pick it up and start, I look at it without and say, this is not as good. And I put it down and just say, well, God, you're going to have to give me some fresh manna. So working on that, just excited. But I want to tell you, nothing blesses the heart of a shepherd, a pastor, more than watching the people in the house of God thrive in the Word of God and thrive in faith. So I'm just ecstatic at your growth, at your progress, all that kind of stuff. You know our theme for this year, Hebrews eleven six. Without faith, it is impossible to do what? Please God, for those that come to God must believe that he is, and he is a rewarder. And I love, Josh, uh, Pastor Josh sent me a text with a screenshot of this out of Blue Letter Bible. A rewarder is one who gives wages. 
So can I tell you, those of us that are seeking God, God gives wages. He gives favor and blessing, a rewarder of those who seek him. And so what I believe is you really do want to put a smile on God's face. You really do want to honor God. Or you wouldn't go to Faith Promise because it's too hard to go to church here. You never know when the next service is going to start. You never know when the next campus is going to open up. You never know what we're going to do. And we push you and push you and push you. And so you, you wouldn't stick around here if you don't want to please God. Is that right? And so I really truly believe that about you. And so God gave me this thought. I tell you what I do in my quiet time. I get all my stuff together, and now I'm in the upper room. And, and so I've got my without book, and then I've got an, usually another book, and I'll read the, today's in, in the book and without with everyone else. And then I go and I'm finishing up John Maxwell's book, Intentional Living, and I'll read just three or four pages. So what I'm doing is I'm getting the, I'm just getting it flowing. Are you with me? And then after that, I'll open my journal up and I'll journal for a while, pray. Then I'll go to the daily Bible reading plan and I'll write down the Bible verses and I'll read the passages for the day. And, and then when that's done, then I come back around and I, I believe by faith. And then I pray for you, for faith promise for Epi Global Squared, for every Faith Promise Gathering or Faith Promise Global. And then I begin to pray for the body. Then I pray for the staff and volunteers. Then I pray for this year and all it's got to do. Then I pray for my family. So Thursday, I'm, I'm in my, I'm, I'm, I've done, the, I've done the, the without, and I open up John's book, and I'm in the next to the last chapter of Intentional Living. And the chapter is really on transformation. And I've read all of John's books. He's got 80 titles, 25 million copies. And I've read every book. I can, you know, I can listen to a leadership lesson by John of the Blanks before he gets to him. So I know I think I've been with him so long and been friends. And so I'm reading it, and I've never actually seen John be more transparent in a book. Because understand, he's just finished. I'm on the board of directors of Equip, his not-for-profit. We've just finished training 5 million leaders worldwide. I was actually with John last summer in the last nation on earth. We've trained leaders in every nation on the planet. And I was there as John trained the last group of leaders. And so John is reflecting on this over and writing this book. And he's going back and looking at all the places that they train leaders and said, you know, we train these leaders, but nothing's happening. Nothing's changed. So he begins this internal struggle. I don't understand. This is what I've given my life to. Why, why, have, these, why have these nations not changed? And now there are 19 countries and, and, and climbing that have invited Equip in and said, the president, vice president, all the Congress, all the House, all the military leaders, all the education leaders, all the hospital leaders, every, all the, you can come train the, every leader in our country. And so 19 countries have invited us in. And so John is saying, I'm looking at all that, but it's not making the difference that I thought that it would. And he said, really what I want to do is just say, check the box off, you know, pull the shades down and, you know, retire in Florida and quit, you know, I mean, almost 70 and let's just chill out. But he's driven and he has a desire to, to make a difference. And so he couldn't do that. And so he said, you know, he begins this struggle of why hasn't it made the difference? And he gets to the deal, when, and he, this is where he comes to it, and this is the thought, that leadership training must be transformational. Transformational. Now, the church has become an institution of information transfer, not transformation. Does this make sense? Are y'all with me? So I'm reading this, and it just sort of was a revelation, a, a revelation 
that, that, we're, that we're about information transfer, not transformation. As a matter of fact, do you know what almost all churches call their discipleship ministry? The education ministry. They call the, the pastor of discipleship the education minister. Now, I'm for education. People have to learn. I have, I have two post-college degrees, so I'm not against learning. Matter of fact, the scripture said, my people perish for lack of knowledge. But we live in the information age, don't we? And information has become an end to itself. And in the church, information is not the end. It's the beginning. See, the church needs to be way, 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 way more than information transfer, a digital download into people's mind of more Bible. It needs to be transformation. So I'm asking God, okay, God, I see that. I I mean, it just was, it dawned on me. I was kind of, whoa, whoa, that's the deal. So why is the church not transformational in America? Why are we not more transformational with people? And so, I'm, again, what's our thing without faith? And so I said, God, if our faith is increasing, shouldn't we be increasing transformationally, exponentially? Then I just wrote down in my journal, isn't, isn't transformation a byproduct of supernatural faith? And I, I believe it should be. Shouldn't transformation be the byproduct if your faith is increasing? If your faith is increasing, shouldn't you be transformed? Because your world gets bigger. Your vision gets bigger. Your influence grows more. Your ability to communicate, to, to touch more people. Your ability to see farther and to realize God for bigger things in your life and in our lives. Does this make sense? So if my faith is increasing, transformation should be a byproduct of it. Again, I'm not hammering studying. The scripture says in 2 Timothy, study to show yourself approved, a workman who does not need to be ashamed, accurately handling or rightly dividing the word of truth. So we have to study. But it's become study is an end to itself. Hey, I learned more. I passed another class. I know some more theology. I've checked a box. I haven't changed, but, 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 but I've learned more. We need to get to be where God wants us. And let me tell you where God wants us. God wants us increasing our faith. Is that right? But increasing our faith means we're going to look more like Jesus. Is that what it means? All right, come on. Is that what it means? We're going to look more like Jesus. I believe the reason that the world, or at least in America, our culture, that America ignores the church is because America sees so little transformation in and through the church. Is that, is that a fair statement? See, because can I tell you something? A changed life is the most incredible witness there is out there. A changed life can't be ignored. If your spouse is not a believer and you're continually being transformed into the image of Jesus, your life will be so, will be so drawing of them to Jesus. You're, where you work, where you go, where your kids go to school, all that. If you're being transformed, it literally draws people to Jesus. That's why Peter said, hey, be ready. Be ready to give an account because people are going to ask you about the hope that dwells in you and do that with gentleness and respect because it was the assumption of the apostle Peter that you were going to be so transformed that people are going to say, hey, what's up with you? Why have you changed? What's the difference? I mean, what's going on in your life? And then guess what? We get to tell them. We get to tell them about Jesus who transformed us. Does this make sense? See, we can go to the college classroom and we can debate philosophy 
We can debate doctrine. We can debate theology. We can debate creationism versus evolution versus intelligent design. We can have all these arguments. Let me tell you what, we cannot debate your changed life. It is indebatable. It is incalculable. When you are different, everybody knows it. Does that make sense? So, so the goal of the church is to exalt God and see people transformed. But the problem is that's no longer the goal of the church. That's God's design. That's not what people want. We've now moved to, hey, all we want is more information. So people go to church. They bring their journals. They fill in the blanks. They take notes. They're getting smarter. They're getting more knowledge. But they don't change. And the devil loves it. He loves it. Why? Because there's no drawing. There's no witness. There's no nothing. Because we're not being transformed. So, I'm, so here I am in my quiet time. I'm reading the next the last chapter. I'm transitioning. I'm asking God these questions. And so, I, I, so I, 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 I'm asking, just asking rapid fire. I hope you ask the Holy Spirit questions. See, in your quiet time, because Jesus said, it's really better for you. You guys don't believe this now, but it's really going to be better for you that I leave and I go to the Father. Because when I get to the Father, I'm going to send you another helper, the paraclete, the one who will come alongside you, the Holy Spirit, the hagias pneumatas, the God-breathed spirit, the the set-apart spirit. I'm going to send him to you, and he will comfort you, and he will guide you, and he will lead you into what truth? All truth. So when I'm in in my quiet time, I ask the Spirit, God, Holy Spirit, I don't understand this. Would you guide me? Would you teach me? So I'm I'm sitting here debating or asking God all these questions about transformation and why is the church more transforming and what's going on and what's going on. Well, I open my without book to my my daily daily Bible reading plan, which takes me to Matthew chapter 13. And I I really want to encourage you to get on the daily Bible reading plan because it'll blow your mind what God brings to you when you need it. Because it took me to the perfect passage. And some of you say, but pastor, I don't like the Bible reading plan. And I have one question. Do you have a plan? Because if you don't, I like mine better than yours. And so, but if you have another plan, you want to read, fine, just read the Bible through this year. I don't want to stop. I'm going to go all the way through. And you're going you're to hit about Leviticus, Numbers, Action, six straight chapters of names that you can't spell or pronounce. And so you get bogged down. That's why we read Old Testament, New Testament, Psalms, and Proverbs. And I've been thriving in the book of Proverbs. Man, wisdom. It's, it, they're so good. So, so I opened my Bible to Matthew, and I've been, just been asking God all these questions about transformation, and I find the parable of the sower. He spoke, he spoke many things to them in parables, saying, Behold, the sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seeds fell by the road, and the birds came and ate them up. Other seed fell on the rocky places, which they did not have much soil, and immediately they sprang up because they had no depth of soil. But now, I'll tell you later. But when the sun had risen, they were scorched, and because they had no root, they withered away. Other seed fell among the thorns. This is the third place. And the thorns came up and choked them out. Others fell on the good soil and yielded a crop, some 100, some 60, and some 30. This is transformation. He goes on in verse 9. He who has ears, let him hear. Do you ever, do you ever pray for ears? Man, I pray for ears all the time. 
I know a lot of people pray for tongues, I want ears. See, I mean, in my quiet time, God, I need ears to hear what the Spirit is saying because how many times does the Bible say, Old and New Testament, for those that are, those who have ears, let them hear. Those who have ears. Jesus said the kingdom comes close and you missed it. On and on and on. I said, give me ears and give me eyes because I don't have 20-20 vision in the Spirit and my ears have grown dull, so I want to hear what you're saying. Are y'all with me? I don't care what Hollywood says. I don't care what the Republicans say. I don't care what the Democrats say. I don't care what the stock market says. I don't know what God says. And so I'm just, so I'm saying, okay, God, I need ears to hear. Well, the disciples ask the same question because they get done Jesus' teaching and and they go have lunch and they say, Jesus, that whole soils, the parable, the sower, what What were you talking about? Because we didn't get anything out of that. So Jesus says, then hear the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom, the word of God, and does not understand it, you think that ever happens to people? The evil one, who's that? Who? Satan comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. Satan is a seed stealer. Always looking to take all the word of God out of you that he could take out of you. That's why you got to memorize it, meditate it, cogitate, man, just, just bask in it. This is the one who the seed was sown beside the road. The one whom the seed was sown on the rocky places, this is the man who hears the word and immediately receives it with what? Emotionally. Now, many of you have brought people to church because you're an inviting bunch of radical Jesus followers. We're going we're to have 17,000 for Easter. You know why? Because y'all going to bring them. You're going you're gonna to bring them. And so it's going gonna, it's gonna to be unbelievable. But, but you brought people to church, and I've given a gospel invitation, and they've raised their hand, said, I want Jesus, prayed with me, filled out a card, and even gotten baptized. And six months later, the FBI can't find them. They blocked your number. They've moved away. They don't want to talk to you anymore. You say, God, what happened? This is what happened right here. They received the word with joy, yet it had no firm root in himself. But it's only temporary. And when affliction or persecution arise because of the word. See, people think, I'm going to get saved and it's going to be wonderful. They don't realize problems arise because you're on God's team now. The devil doesn't bother you when you're on the devil's team. But when you were born again and you switch sides, you become an adversary. Immediately he falls away. And the one who deceived his son among the thorns, this is the man who hears the word and the worries of the world and the deceitfulness of riches of wealth choke it out and it becomes unfruitful. The one on whom the seed was sown in the good soil, this is the man who hears the word, understands it, and produces, it's coming, and produces a harvest, some 100, some 60, and some 30. Now, here's the deal. That's transformation. Does that make sense? Those that hear the word, understand the word, act on the word, they produce a 100-fold harvest, 60 and 30. That's biblical transformation. I wasn't producing fruit. Now I'm producing fruit. I wasn't serving God. Now I'm serving God. I wasn't making a difference. Now I'm making a difference. That's transformation. We all agree with that. And see, I believe that there's so much transformation going on at Faith Promise right now already. That's why we're growing because people are watching you and saying, I don't know what you got, but I want some of that. And when you say, well, man, God's moving at our church and God's speaking and, and, you, and, and people are coming. Why? Because your life is already being transformed. Does that make a difference? We're, we're seeing our greatest year, 2016, is going to be our best year yet. Why? Because we're going to have more transformation than ever had. Why? Because you're going to read the without book. Your faith is going to grow. You're going to be transformed, and more people are going to come. Why? Because that's the plan of God, and he wants to use you. 
Some 30, some 60, some 100-fold. I want a 100-fold harvest. Anybody else? Man, I'm a hog. I want a 100-fold harvest. That's what I want to be for God, a 100-fold, the deal. So transformation should be a byproduct of faith. But is that what we're seeing across America in the church? No. Matter of fact, we're seeing church attendance decline, church churches decline. We're seeing churches die at the greatest rate we've ever seen churches die. And we say, well, what's the problem? I don't get it. And here's the deal. I'm not back in my journal asking God, reading this passage, writing. I hope you, I don't, you may not write in your Bible, but I'm circling words and I'm making diagrams and arrows. And, and I'm, man, the Spirit of the Lord is speaking to me, walking through that kind of stuff. See, most churches in America today are purely information transfer. You come, digital download. Then the better churches have moved from information transfer to application. They're the churches that actually believe that you should do the Word of God. Now, those are few and far between. Would you agree? They're just few. But then there's one more group of ministries and churches. Those are the ones who are believing God for supernatural transformation of the hearers of the Word of God. I'm believing for you. I pray for you every day. Supernatural transformation. I pray for the weekends when we're gathered and the week when we're scattered. I pray that God will move in your quiet time. I pray that you're at work or you're at school. He will whisper in your ear. He will wrap his arm around you. He will let you know that he is there with you. I pray during the week he will remind you of the word of God you heard the past weekend and what you are getting in your small group and what you're getting in your quiet time. That as you stand up in your bedroom or where you have your quiet time and you do that homologia, that you do that confession, that you're faith is increasing. That's what I pray. And I believe in God for the greatest level of transformational growth that we have ever seen at Faith Promise Church. Anybody want in on some of that? Man. Now here's the deal. Transformation is a process. And the process always precedes the product. What's the product? Transformation. What's the process? I'm so glad you asked. Let me give you a few things that are transformative in their nature. The Word of God is transformative. The problem is that so many people go to the Bible in their quiet time every day. When they read it, they, they read it to gain some more information. Instead of hearing the voice of heaven, getting marching orders from headquarters, and then living that out in their daily lives. That makes sense? We're not looking for transformation. We're looking for a new verse. Well, are we looking to prove what we already believe? I, it kills me how many people go to the Bible to prove their point. What if you were wrong in your point? If you're wrong in your point and you're going to prove your point, you'll never hear if God wants to correct you. So I say, Lord, it's blank slate, it's blank slate this morning. I've read this Bible a hundred times, and I love you, but God, everybody in, the, everybody in the Bible missed it, and I'm good at missing it, so I need to be corrected. I need a directional change this morning. Show me. Are you with me? So we go to the Word of God to hear the heart of heaven, not to prove what we already believe. So the Word of God is transformative in nature. Let me tell you what else is transformative in nature. Spirit-filled worship is transformative in nature. There's a reason that when the worship leaders are up here, and by the way, we've got some of the greatest worship leaders on the planet. Amen. They're unbelievable. 
Summer staff, many are volunteer, and I love that we've got middle schoolers and high schoolers leading worship, and they're moving in on the weekend, and I just ran raising them up in the house of God, sons and daughters of the house. I absolutely love that. But you'll notice they, they'll stop in the middle of a song or between songs, and they try to get you to do what? Sing. Because it's obvious you're not, because your lips are closed. And unless we have a church full of ventriloquists, you're not singing. Is that right? Matter of fact, you know what I think we ought to do? We ought to just take a video while people, are, while people are worshiping, and everybody this mouth's closed, we ought to just write a caption over their head. Yeah. Did you like that? No, you didn't like that. And so this is the deal. What the worship leaders know is you're not participating because they're watching you and they're trying to engage you into the presence of God because the, 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 the God of heaven inhabits the praise of his people. And when you are celebrating, when you are emoting, when you are loving on God, when you're wide open, when you're just celebrating, the spirit of God has free access to transform you. Are you with me? It's not about getting through a song. Why'd they sing that chorus 14 times? I wish they'd get on another one. <laughs> See, you're not thinking about God, are you? And what, listen, this is what I was taught. It's what people say, well, we worship to get ready for the sermon. The, it's sort of like the pre-worship. It's just some songs until we get to the main attraction, which is the preacher. Come on, preacher. Are y'all with me? Worship is loving on God. Worship is for God. It's for the Father. It's celebrating. It's just blessing God. Are y'all with me? It's not for, man, it's not even for us. It's for him. That's why the worship leaders are trying to draw you in because spirit-filled worship is transforming by its nature. Let me tell you another thing, quiet times. Spending time with God. Listen, you know what I do it in the morning? If you're not a morning person, if you wake up, you know, like a monster, don't go talk to God. He doesn't want to talk to you either. Nobody wants to talk to you. <laughs> so pick your best time. Is it at lunch? Is it in the evening? When is your best time to have a quiet time? I love the mornings. I love to wake up the day. And so I love, David said, early in the morning while I seek you, Jesus got up before daylight. But listen, it's, that's not prescriptive. That's they love the mornings. So give God your best, you know, 20, 30 hour, whatever it is every day. Have a personal growth plan. Get on the Bible reading plan with us and just every day get with God. Does this make sense? Let me tell you something else. We have small groups to build spirit, spiritual transforming relationships. Are you with me? Because, see, relationships can be transforming in nature. I, when I finished my first book, The Climb of Your Life, got it done and, and got, it, got, 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 got it printed. And then y'all remember they printed, the wrong, they printed the wrong manuscript, had all the mistakes. Y'all remember that? Some of y'all don't. And we gave y'all those 5,000 books. Remember that? The bad ones? Yeah, we gave those to y'all. And, uh, and, and Pat Summit and I sat out front and signed those books. And I don't know why she signed it, but she was here, so we did. And, 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 and what, what I realized when I finished that book is, is I didn't have any place to sell it because I didn't have any friends. Because for the prior 10 years, I had not lifted my head up off my desk. But I had, my, I had put my, you know, Jesus said, man, when you put your hand on the plane, you look back, you're not fit for the kingdom. So, man, I'm just building, I'm building, I'm building. And it dawned on me, you don't have any relationships outside of Faith Promise Church. Man, you don't, you don't have a pastor. You're, you don't have anybody out. Now, I've got, I had already had spiritually tra spiritual transforming relationships. I, I, my wife, 
Man, she is, I, she is spiritually transforming for me. When I graduated college and I was on staff at Eastwood Baptist Church, youth pastor, we'd seen revival blow up. I was a chaplain at Udawah High School where you saw all that stuff happen last month about the basketball team. I was the chaplain, preached to the whole student body. God was moving in a radical way. The pastor was going to leave and everybody wanted me to stay and become the pastor. And that's what I wanted to do because that was the easy route. And Michelle said, Chris, you said that you were called to go to seminary and prepare. I know, but as she said, didn't you say that we're leaving, we're not staying here? What was she doing? She was pushing me to a greater level. Are y'all with me? And then Josh Whitehead, our executive pastor, he pushes me. Chuck Carringer, he pushes me. Man, listen, if I'm sick, I don't even want Chuck to know. I, listen, I have been ill, and, it, and he'll just say, listen, the weekend's too important. You just got to suck it up and play through it. And he'll come between services and say, how you feel bad? But listen, you got two more. Suck it up. Go be sick afterwards. Are you, are you, you know what I'm talking about? I mean, I wanted somebody to say, Tata, it's going to be all right. Go lay down. No, get up and get in the game and, man, give it. He said, you know what, those, that next service, those people deserve your best. Is that right, Chuck? Those people deserve your best. Okay, coach, put me in the game. You know, it's a spiritually transforming relationship. And, and, and so whenever that first book came out, I said, and so I was talking to Josh. I said, Josh, I don't have relationships. So Josh began to pray for me that I'd have connections. And what I did is I reconnected with John Maxwell, started traveling with him. You know, was all, we were already supporting Equip. We were one of the first churches to even begin giving it to Equip. And so, and then I, I connect with Chris Hodges, one of the fastest growing churches in America. He began to mentor me. Tom Mullins, uh, down at Christ Fellowship, about 30,000 every weekend. Uh, man, he started mentoring me, and God started opening up doors. And my life in the last three years, my leadership has transformed. You know why? Because of connections outside of faith promise. Are you with me? So what spiritual relationships do you have that are transforming in your life? Who's motivating? Who's pushing? Who's encouraging you to go higher and farther? Are you, you say, well, Pastor, I don't have anybody. First off, you need to get in a group. And then if, if you don't have anybody, hey, Without what it's possible to please God? Without what? Ask God to send you somebody. Can God do that? Listen, when I looked around several years ago, I didn't have anybody. There wasn't a pastor I could call that was larger than us. Now, I've got guys I call right now, Coach. Matter of fact, Coach is, is doing staff lesson for me this coming Tuesday, teaching all staff. And I, I can call these guys Robert Morrison Gateway, and, and, and I can call guys running 10, 20, 30,000. Man, they'll, 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 I, I have connections, and I ask God for them. You ask God, God, would you give me some connections? But hey, can I tell you something? Listen, don't ask God for a spiritual coach and a mentor if you're not willing to be one for someone else. See, all of us want somebody ahead of us to help us, but not all of us want to take somebody who's behind us and help them. That's why we have group ministry, people ahead, people behind. Does this make sense? Now, again, if, if you're not being spiritually transformed, has God failed somehow? No, we failed. So, so I, asked the, I asked the Holy Spirit. I said, God, I'm, I see people stall out all the time. Y'all know what I'm talking about? They stall. Why do they stall? Well, immediately, I get the image of an airplane because I'm a pilot. And planes stall. Do you know what happens when a plane stalls? See, in a car, if it stalls, it means the engine quit. If a plane stalls, you know what it means? It's falling out of the sky. 
It means that, that, see, a plane stays level or goes up because of the wind that goes across the top of the, of the wing and creates lift under the wing. The plane stalls out when the drag on the airplane is greater than the lift that the wings have. Does that make sense? So if there's more drag, you're stalling. And in an airplane, you practice this all the time. And, and if, the, if the plane begins to stall, you don't actually feel it, but this ugly, ah, warning goes off. Because the next thing, you're going to crash in a fiery ball and die. So it wakes you up that you've got to do something right now because the plane is falling out of the sky. Wouldn't you want to be warned and so, and so I'm saying, okay, God, what's the deal? Why, why are these saints stalling? What's the deal? And, and you know what? It's because we got more drag than we have lift. So let's go back to that verse, uh, the, the parable of the souls in Matthew chapter 13. And, and, and no firm root in itself. It was temporary when afflictions and persecution arise, immediately falls away. The one whom the seed among the thorns. This is the one. When he uh, hears the word, the worries of the world. You guys know what worries of the world are? Your house know what's happening. The stock market dropped 3,000 points. Who's going to win the next election? What's going to happen? Are we going to be another war on terror? What are your kids going to do? What, 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 what are y'all with me? This is called the worries of the world. Does that make sense? And it, it, the worries of the world are drag on your airplane. The worries of the world create drag and it kills your lift. Affliction, persecution, worries of the world, the deceitfulness of wealth. We think if we have enough money, we'll be happy. If we have enough money, we'll be secure. The Bible says wealth makes itself wings and it flies away from us. Never put your security in money. Does that make sense? If you got a lot of money, praise God for it, man. Celebrate it. It's just an option. You can give more. You have more options. It it doesn't make you more secure. It, It just doesn't. And it becomes unfruitful. That plane has stalled, baby. It's fallen out of the sky. But the one who falls on the good soul is the one who hears the word of God, acts on the word of God, and produces a harvest, some 100-fold, some 60, and some 30. Does that make sense? See, that's transformation. What we have to do, is there a seed stealer? Okay. We've got to be as committed to transformation as a seed stealer is to putting drag on your plane. Romans 12, 2. Do not be conformed to this world. Do not let the drag get on you, but be what? Transform, man, lift on the wings by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove that the will of God is that which is good, acceptable, and perfect. People see your plane soaring. They want to know that God that's putting wind under your wings, that's causing you to be transformed. That's the deal. Not just salvation, but the whole process. Let me give you another verse, First Timothy. Until I come, give attention to the public reading of scriptures. We're doing that right now, exhortation. I've been exhorting you and teaching you, doing some of that too. Do not neglect the spiritual gift within you, which was bestowed on you through the prophetic utterance of laying on the hands by the presbytery. This is what I want to get to. Look, take pains. Now, if you're a Broncos fan or you're a Patriots fan, you are hoping that your team has taken pains this week. You're hoping that Peyton can throw a long ball this week. Take pains with these things and be what? Absorbed in the, your personal growth. The transforming disciplines that will transform you. Be absorbed in these things so that your what? Your transformation will be evident to everybody that sees you. Does this make sense? You have two choices. Are you ready? If you're listening, I'm listening. You can stall out or you can sail on. I want to sail. Anybody with me? So if you listen. So 
It's beyond going through the motions. So if you say, Pastor, man, I, hey, I'm with you. I want more transformation. Let me see your hand. Just hold it up. Hold it up. Lift it up. Lift it up. God, you see these lightning rods? Father, we live in a doubt-filled, demonic world that is always putting drag on our planes. But you said in Hebrews to take every weight and everything that so easily entangles us and every sin that causes drag to throw it out and run the race with endurance. So God, help us run with endurance. Be, Lord, take us, give us more transforming relationships. Put us in a solid, spirit-filled, small group, God. Unctionize and energize, electrify our quiet time. Open the word of God. Give us ears to hear and eyes to see what you're doing, God, and transform us to our destiny, to your desired will for our life. We believe it and we receive it. And in Jesus' name, we pray it. And all God's people said, somebody give God some praise in the house. Now listen, old John couldn't be with us, but God had a word for you anyway, didn't he? Come on, man, God always come through. So here's the deal. Here's the deal. With, with all of our campuses with us, there's some people who've never made Jesus Lord of their lives, never surrendered. So with every head by every eye closed, right now, if you would, if you're ready to invite Jesus into your life to take over, to give you faith, and to, to, to help you walk, just pray this prayer with us. We're going to pray it out loud, this confessional prayer. Dear Jesus, I know I've sinned. I've missed the mark. I'm so sorry. Forgive me. Come into my heart. I confess you as Lord, God, my ruler. Save me. Give me faith. Transform me. Help me follow you the rest of the days of my life. In Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Somebody give him some praise, would you? All right, here's the deal. Here's the deal. There'll be people down if you want to pray with someone, if you gave your heart to Jesus, if you'll fill the communication cards out, you can put them in the offering box or take them to Next Steps. If you need to find a group, you can go to Next Steps. Hey, next weekend we start a new series called Love Is. And God has given me a word for next weekend. Listen, do we all want to receive more love? Do we all want to give more love? Many of us can't because we've been hurt deeply inside. And we're going to talk about how God heals wounds internally. It is going to rock your world. Amen. Walk this week in greater faith and greater victory. Be blessed. See you guys next weekend.